We finally have guests back. Oh my gosh. You know, I don't mind doing episodes solo, but again, I think the content quality is just so much better when I have someone else to really learn from, bounce things off of, and share with you all. I think it just makes for a much more interesting podcast, personally. So we finally have guests again. It's great. Got more coming in the pipeline. Uh, Things are growing. It's kind of cool, you know? You never know with your project where it's going to go, but uh, you just kind of put that time in and see what happens, and you just go from there. So on this episode, we talk with someone from Nigeria. Her name is Olabisi. She is a Web3 growth marketer who helps Web3 startups and projects expand their reach and engage new users. She is also the host of the Web3 Quick Bites podcast, where she shines a spotlight on the evolving world of Web3. On her show, Olabisi interviews insiders, builders, experts, many, many types of people to uncover insights about blockchain technology, NFTs, the metaverse, and more. Her mission is to make Web3 accessible by delivering digestible insights and breaking down complex topics for audiences curious about the future of blockchain, crypto, and decentralized technologies. When she's not hosting her show, you can find her advising Web3 startups on growth strategies and community engagement. And I got to say, one of the main reasons I reached out to Ola BC is I found her through LinkedIn. Um, I'm always looking for other people's podcasts to try and be on, obviously, because it's a really fun thing to go from host to guest. But it helps you build this repertoire with other hosts to really, you can sometimes connect each other with different guests. And um Really, I I found her podcast and was listening to a few episodes and just thought it was interesting. She was one of the only Web3 podcasts I found that was in Africa, specifically Nigeria. And so I was like, this is really cool. I feel like when I try to find people in Web3 in African countries, it's not that they don't have amazing things to say. It's that a lot of times they haven't, I guess it's different. For me, it felt like talking to a podcast host Someone already had done their research and knew the industry well in that area. And so they could provide a really high level context. And I feel like that's exactly what Olabisi did in this episode and really shined a spotlight on what we both were talking about as a consistently overlooked area of the market. You know, I think everyone focuses on the US, Southeast Asia, UK, and just consistently overlook Africa and how far they've come with their Web3 technology, how far they've come with their Web3 startups and and just that there is a bolstered web3 community there but nobody ever seems to be looking to them for answers or advice or like what do they think of these ongoing market trends it just feels like they don't have a seat at the table a lot of the time and so the main point of this episode and i'm hoping to have olabisi and other people on future episodes is just to really shine that spotlight there and remind people that there is a bolstered wonderful market there and there's amazing projects going on there and that it's not all just centered in one area of the world you know one of the beauties of web3 is it is a global phenomena. That is the amazing part of it is there's projects literally everywhere. The startup cost is low. You can have such a small team. And you if you have the idea and you have the skills or tech to build it, or you can find the people or you can start on your own and eventually build them. Realistically, the possibilities are endless. So I hope you enjoy this episode with Olabisi. I know I did. My name is Matthew and I'm the Web3 Gamer. You know, I got something here I want to tell you real quick. The elites don't want you to know. The elites don't want you to know. Those ducks and geese you see at the park, those are free. You can take those home with you. I've got dozens of ducks and geese at home. I have a collection of ducks and geese, and there is nothing the elites can do to stop me from owning those and making my own private army Canadian geese and model ducks and mallards. So go ahead. Collect all the ducks you want. They can't stop you. If they tell you they can, they're lying. Those are your ducks and your geese. Hello, hello, friends and gamers. My name is Matthew Simone. I am the Web3 Gamer, and I am here with Olabisi, the host of the Web3 Quick Bites podcast. Olabisi, how's it going? Uh, Very well, thank you. And it's so great to be here today. Pleasure to have you. Where are you calling in from? Lagos, Lagos, Nigeria. Fascinating. It is about, it's like late afternoon here. Is it evening, morning? How's the weather in Nigeria? <laughs> it's like 10 p.m. here in Nigeria. And the weather has been quite hot lately, though. 
I mean, like the aftermath of the Amatan or something, but then it's been, whew, it's been hot here in Lagos. Really, really well. hot. <laughs> well, one would, one would think we get used to it after so much time, but I live in the south of the U.S., and I can tell you for living here for over 20 years, I still, I'm still not used to the humidity and heat. I just, I learn how to work with it rather than work against it, if that makes sense. Right. I can say the same for myself, too. <laughs> well, so honestly, I, there's a lot we can dig into here. But one of the main things I wanted to ask is, would you mind sharing just like a bit about your background? What led you to become a host for a podcast, especially what led you wanted to be a host for podcast in Web3? Ah, that's a very good question. Uh, so I've been getting this question quite a lot, and I'm not surprised that that's the first question you're asking me. So uh, my back, my background, like everybody who got into Web3, we all came from Web2, of course. And so um, coming from Web2, I worked in um, advertising, worked as a fiction writer, worked as a content writer, content marketing, anything, like the whole marketing thing in Web2. And then I made the transition in 2020 during the pandemic when I was bored. I guess everybody was bored staying indoors all the time and I needed something different. I wanted to do something different. I started working with this ad agency I was working with them. And then someone reached out to me that, okay, there's this crypto exchange here in, um, yeah, in Nigeria that they're looking for a social media content writer. I was like, okay. I mean, I don't know anything about crypto. I didn't know anything about Bitcoin or anything. I was like, okay, I mean, extra cash wouldn't hurt during the pandemic, especially. And so um, introduced those. I did the interview and I was honest. I said, I don't know anything about this, but um, if you give me this job, I promise that I'm going to research and make sure I do my best to make sure you don't regret hiring me. And that was exactly what I did. I did a lot of research to be able to help me create the content for their social media and that was how i found myself down the rabbit hole um, i started with bitcoin learning about bitcoin learning about cryptocurrencies web3 nfts it was during the pandemic that nft was the rave then and so i learned about all that i was like okay yeah i mean this sounds like fun and there's probably a space for me to yeah i mean i was tired of doing like the whole marketing and web especially in advertising that was there and so I and so I, I discovered that okay, I think it's something I, I like doing. I actually want to do something more. But on getting to Google researching, I found out that there wasn't loads of resources online. And uh, most of the resources there during the pandemic was do you want to be a um, blockchain developer, learn solidity, or like nah, I do not want to start my career all over. I wanted some sort of progression. I don't want to start all over and then say, okay, I was doing marketing before, now I'm in Texas. I didn't want to do any of that. So it was quite tough. I had to learn and I learned so many things. Until so fast forward to um, 2023, I had the opportunity to work with a couple of NFT projects, Web3 projects, and then it was, so the tables have turned. People started reaching out to me that, okay, we see your post on LinkedIn, I read your Medium articles, how can I, how can I get into this space too? Like, see, there's just so many answers I can give you guys. I do not even know the answers to everything. I'm still learning myself. And so the idea for the podcast came. Like, you know, well, why don't I just create a platform to um, um, answer all those questions that these people have? I mean, they're asking me questions that I do not even have answers. Imagine someone asking me, like, you see how do I respond again? I, I do not even want to start up myself. So how can I answer that question, right? And so that was how the idea of the podcast came about. And then uh, initially I started like, okay, I was going to help um, pass out information in a way that um, it's easy for them to understand and easy for them to digest. That was what inspired the quick bite. I mean, it's something you can listen to and then you understand immediately or yeah, just get the one hang of it immediately. And so um, recorded my first episode, recorded the second one. I was gaining traction. I'm, okay, this sounds like fun. It sounds like people actually really want to learn and understand what Web3 is. And then I started getting guests on the show. And so far, so good. It's been great. It's been a success in its own way. And um, I've had so many people to answer all those questions that I do not have answers to. I mean, though I do have answers to some questions now because I've had the opportunity to interview people from different industries, finance, gaming, entertainment, VCs, and, and whatnot. So, so yeah, that's my background. That's how I got into Web3, and that's what made me start my podcast also. Well, we're, we're definitely kindred spirits in that sense. Of that's one of the main reasons I started my podcast is I was already talking to a lot of people, just trying to do uh, various positions in 
Web3 figuring out what the heck was it that I enjoyed about it. Um, had a few things go really well, then had a few things go south. And honestly, I was already doing like Twitter spaces and talking to people so much. And I was a big fan of podcasts. I was like, why not start doing this podcast? So, but that same thing is I, I love learning from people. I love being able to hear somebody who knows way more about a subject than I'll ever know, really be able to tell me about it. It's fascinating. So it's funny how um, we are kindred spirits in that sense as podcast hosts. <laughs> That's good. Everyone has their own story. So we all have our stories. That's great. Well, so then for people who don't know, like when you meet people who have no idea what Web3 is, what's what's like in the simplest way, how do you explain its significance? <laughs> okay, so there are different ways I explain Web3. But uh, on this podcast, I'm going to come from a different angle. So I would say Web3 is basically the next phase of the internet that's trying to, let me say, shake things up. So right now, we are in the Web2 era, right, where um, a handful of big tech companies, they own basically everything, down to uh, social media apps, Twitter, Instagram, name it. The big tech companies, they own everything, and they control all our data. They profit from it, and we just basically go along for the ride as a product because we are not paying for it. So we are the product, right? So we're all just going with it as a product because they have our data, they have everything, and that's how they're making their money. So Web3 basically wants to um, flip the script and put um, regular people back in charge instead of the, the big dogs in quotes. And so um, Web3 uses things like blockchain. I'm using things now because for the sake of people who don't understand how Web3 works or yeah so things like blockchain crypto and decentralized apps to spread power out instead of um like i said the big tech companies having all holding all the parts themselves and so so the main difference um is with web3 is that we can truly own identity for the first time we can own identity and information online and I mean, you post a status update, you control that data, not Facebook. You buy an item, the, rec the record is on a public blockchain, and it's not stored on some um, cloud server or some Amazon server, so it's not that. And um, so this way, there's no central authority that owns the internet. It's managed and controlled by all the users through community platforms and networks. So it, Web3 is more transparent, it's open, with value flowing back to people and not just the big corporations. And so, I mean, of course, what I just said is just visual, basically. Web3 still has a long way to go. We are still in the early stages. But the core idea is that Web3 is returning power and ownership to normal internet users like you and me. And that's the change I could get done with after how dirty these big tech companies are playing us. I hope I've been able to keep it simple and not complicate things. No, no, I think that was I think that was a really good high level overview of you're totally right. It's almost like, um, you know, you one, not only are you having more control over your data, but it's almost like you have a unique digital ID that's finally uh, interoperable between multiple things, whether that's um, apps, platforms, uh, financial institutions. Um, the, really, it, it, the, the limit will just keep expanding. But for now, yes, I would agree. We're very early on, and it's it's crazy to think we're early on because to me, it feels like we have such this broad spectrum of things you can do in Web three. But it it truly has at this point, it's maybe a decade old industry. Um, if we're going to just go all the way back to crypto, but realistically, even since then, like of people operating it, I should say it's it's not that old of an industry, and especially it's only been within the last five years maybe that people are actually making a living out of it and uh, really pouring money into it, so to say. Yeah, that's right. I agree with you, actually. I mean, it's like Web3 just, um, how would I put it now? People just started noticing Web3, or they just started learning about it. And now, the more, well, we had more people last year than, we, that we have, than we've ever had, let's say, um, during the time I joined. That was three years ago. Now we have more people in this space because word is spreading so fast. Well, although most people are in it for the money, though, I mean, but <laughs> we are, we are getting, we are getting there. We are getting the mainstream adoption little by little. No, you, you're, you're totally right. There's plenty of people who are just in it for the money, but those people usually jump ship pretty quick, or um, they get out, they get ousted because uh, people realize they're not trying to better the space. Whereas the people who stick around and are consistently not only putting their own money and time, but resources in those are the those are the people I think you and I are big fans of and have followed for a long time. Um, which which leads me to ask, like, so what do you feel like is the and I, I hate to do it as a whole for the continent. So maybe we'll just narrow in in Nigeria since that's 
probably your wheelhouse, but what do you what do you feel some of the misconceptions about Web3 in Nigeria? And we could say greater Africa if you know, but one thing I can think about is like people in the States, they don't think of any sort of Web3 industry going on in Africa. They think of, oh, Africa and Web3 is as simple as they use Bitcoin because their currency in their unstable countries is devalued, which is simply not the case. There's so many Web3 projects going on in Africa. And I guess I'm just wondering, what do you feel are misconceptions and what would you like to say to clear those misconceptions? No, just like you said, some people think Web3 is the relevance to everyday Africans. Like they think we can we can't hang with the crypto hype. But then that is all wrong because there's already a ton of Africans all in on this creating NFTs, coding blockchain, speculating on tokens, etc. I mean, this stuff is opening up opportunities for the unbanked to even access financial services. So I would say, first, don't sleep on Africa's potential yet. There's a huge potential in Africa when it comes to Web3, blockchain, crypto. And so, and so you also have people claiming that we don't have the tech infrastructure to pull up Web3. True. I agree. We still have the infrastructure gaps, of course. But one thing that is actually huge across Africa right now is that mobile money is huge. Developers are building local solutions tailored to African needs and realities. We've, um, we have hackathons every now and then popping up everywhere. I mean, the talent is there, of course. The talent is there. So there's no doubt about that. We have so many um, young talents in the crypto space. And then Nigeria is like one of the fastest growing communities, Web3 communities right now. We have people joining it daily. And there's also this as, as, assumption that I would like to clear today is that they, some just assume that NFTs and crypto are just like some sort of Ponzi scheme to us Africans. But it, it goes beyond that because there's mad utility being found, like using crypto for... Um, cross-border payments that's way cheaper than Western Union, for example, because um, usually when you want to receive um, um, foreign, foreign um, like USD, for example, use Western Union, but now crypto has actually made it easier for people to receive money, to receive payments and, and whatnot. And so developers are actually building these local solutions, right? And so um, let's also talk about African artists. African artists are making money selling their NFT ads globally. This isn't just some sort of internet hype. I mean, there are real innovative use cases that are already emerging out of here. And so I would just say that um, people think Web3 is just for <laughs> just for the rich high-level nerds in Africa. But no, you don't have to be rich or high-level, um, yeah, especially in Nigeria, to use Web3 because that is not the full picture. Social media is not going to give you the full picture. It's only going to give you like half, half, half of the picture or half of the story. And so everyday Africans were finding practical uses like using crypto to edge against inflation that makes our cash worthless or the idea that our currency is devalued or something. And so we have startups who are working there at night building easy-to-use apps. I mean, we have something like, we have Yellow Card, that's a startup here in Nigeria, for example, that makes blockchain more um, more accessible. So it's not a case that I have to be some sort of high-level nerd to be able to understand how it works. And, and there's also something that I've also heard that I also like to address is that blockchain can provide jobs and economic opportunities in Africa because um, the idea is that, yeah, we just trade crypto and that is it. And that is where it starts. That is where it ends. No, Web3 is actually opening up all kinds of new careers for people. I mean, I'm, I'm an example, of course, for African youth. I mean, in crypto, NFTs, metaverse, gigs and whatnot. So countries with high youth unemployment, like most African countries, we could actually benefit from the growth of this industry. So the reality is that Africans are already active in shaping the Web3 landscape. And there's massive potential for blockchain technology to actually help drive economic improvements and social impact across across the continent. So I would just say that um, nobody should underestimate what we can bring to the table. And I'm just here to clear the misconceptions. We have the creativity, the also and the technological um, technological um, jobs to shape the future. I don't even know if that makes any sense. But what I'm going to say is that the motherland, yeah, is about to make some magic waves in this space. So what I would just say is that you guys should just watch out for us. We are coming in, we are coming in big and we are coming in hot. We are coming in to take over. No, I, I think so. You you covered a lot of things there in a, in a good way. So like we looked at like some you talked about some of the unique challenges you feel Africa faces in adopting and implementing Web3, such as, uh, you know, the infrastructure is not there, but it's building in certain areas. Um, you discussed uh, specifically, I wanted you to highlight more on Yellow Card, 
um, some some African Web3 projects that you felt had significant act, uh, impact. I wanted to ask, what do you think made Yellow Card successful? If there's any other projects um, you think of that are successful. And the only thing else I was going to say is that um, you were talking about how that's that's local talent, local entrepreneurs in Nigeria and Africa at large contributing to the Web3 space in that sense. And the, the other thing I was going to say is that what's nice about Web3 is it allows people like you and me who maybe maybe would not have been able to be as easily an entrepreneur in a space somewhere else because I feel like what's nice about Web3 is if you have a skill set, the cost of being in it is so low compared to other industries. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you're not having to build out this infrastructure. If you know how to code, you can partner with other people and build your app literally in the in the comfort of your own home. Uh, you could build a, co- a token, you could build a platform, you could build a game, um, a- anything and everything. It kind of feels like the sky's the limit as long as you can develop and have that skill set. But to get back to it, to Yellow Card, are there any other projects besides Yellow Card that you feel have had significant impact and what makes them successful? And also, can you discuss more why you think Yellow Card has been successful specifically there in Nigeria? Okay, so basically, Yellow Card, uh, Yellow Card, you can enjoy the best um, rates to trade your BTC and USDT instantly with Naira. So for most, um, let's say, for example, now Binance, you have to have like USD to be able to trade or to be able to buy crypto or something. But with Yellow Card, you can actually trade in your local currency, which makes it easier for, for most people because you don't have to start looking at the exchange rate that, okay, I have to convert my Naira to USD to be able to trade. But with Yellow Card, you can do all that with your with your local currency. And you can also transfer funds into, like, if your Yellow Card account, you can transfer funds into it using your bank transfer. You can just start trading, right? There's also some sort of, like, refer, refer and end. So it's just like um, you can also move money across borders instantly. Like I can send money to somebody in Ghana and then I don't get charged for it, right? I can also track all my payments. So that makes it easy for um, the average person. That is why I said you don't have to be like some sort of nerd to be able to use apps like this. And so we have uh, projects like Yellow Card, for example, actually doing this um, to make um, um, Web3 more accessible to the average person to be able to use it. Anybody can just sign in and then start trading because transfer money from your um, local bank account, transfer it to your yellow card account, and then you just get started. So it's as simple as ABC. And for um, other projects, I feel actually doing great things. I mean, there's um, there's Quidax. Quidax is also similar to what yellow card does. It's a made-in-Africa cryptocurrency exchange that allows many um, Africans to um, access and trade crypto and NFTs more seamlessly. So the thing there is that if we want to gain more adoption in um Africa, Nigeria, where I stay, it's that you have to make it easy because people can be lazy sometimes. If it's too um, complex, they will tell you, uh, nah, there's not something they actually want to, um, they want to sign up for or something they want to, um, they want to have on their phone or something like that. So what those uh, projects are trying to do is that they're trying to make it easy for people to just um, sign, up, sign up with like one, two, three steps and then you are in and then you can just um, get started on it. And um, there's also a project that I also like because they're doing it, actually doing a great job on um, educating people, which is um, um, Crypto TV Plus. So it's like a Nigerian-based Web3 media company. They produce news, research, and education about cryptocurrency and blockchain across Africa. So those are just a few examples of the ones I can remember now that actually doing great things to make, um, to clear um, some of the misconceptions and to also demystify Web3 and um, also demystify the complexities that surrounds Web3 blockchain uh, and crypto. And so, yeah, I mean, there are other projects out there, but those are the ones that I can remember now top of my top of my areas. No, and those are all amazing projects. It sounds like Yellow Card and Crypto TV Plus also have some educational initiatives that are there to help people understand and get more involved. Oh, with yeah, Web3. yes, 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 that's right. So that, that's really good too, because I think that's a common thing that people run into when they first get in. Is it's um, it's a lot, as you and I both know. And uh, you're kind of, uh, arguably, even at when we got into it, I felt like there was a lot of resources. It was just so hard to find them and compile them in one place that it kind of felt like you were just, you know, throwing a dart and see where it landed. And you're like, was this useful information or was it something I already knew or did it not help me for what I was doing? Um, whereas now you can get very hyper-specific information from not only podcasts, um, but plenty of platforms and articles and people who literally that's their job. I mean, I, I had one guy on here who all he talks about is um, 
specifically for Web3 in-game economies. And he's he has like a legitimate degrees in economics. And he's like, it's not, he's like, it's more complicated than people give it. And I was like, I believe it. He's like, you're literally making an economy, but you got to gamify it. And um, I'm just like, how would I have ever found out about this if he didn't tell me? Whoops, we lost Olabisi. Gonna go pause here. I can hear you totally fine. So we lost a little bit of connection there, but we're back. Um, so when you're looking at the, because in the U.S. here, we've had a lot of uh, government regulatory things going on, especially with the uh, Bitcoin spot ETF just passed. Now, a lot of people, that was good news for them because it really signified that um, we're having like legal standing get behind what was considered kind of like the Wild West of crypto for the longest time. And I'm wondering in specifically if there's anything in Nigeria or maybe Africa as a whole, because I'm clueless. Are there any government policies and regulations that impact how Web3 projects and startups operate and work? Yeah, sure. So, okay, cool. So just for me, edit three, two, one. So I'm curious too, in Nigeria or Africa as a whole, are there any government policies and regulations that impact how Web3 projects and startups operate or are created? Because obviously here in the U.S., we've had now the Bitcoin spot ETF approved, which has been a major shift for a lot of people to say, well, we're like the U.S. is legally behind a form of crypto, so to speak, even if it's just Bitcoin. So it's been a big push for people to go. We finally got some sort of regulation and there's a lot of money that poured into those. But I'm curious if there's anything, any sort of regulations or issues you know, that, that make it difficult for Web3 startups in Nigeria and Africa as a whole that you know of? <laughs> That's a very, very good question because right now in Africa, yeah, we don't really have that adoption yet. And it was until recently that the um, Nigerian, the Nigerian government actually approved um, for the citizens to start trading crypto. Because before, anybody would dare yeah, trade um, a crypto or something and they get the money in their bank account, that account gets uh, gets flagged down and it's frozen. And so, of course, they believe that um, anything associated with crypto is fraud, is fraudulent. <laughs> and, and so they were a bit um, sketchy with approving it. And so most um, Web3 startups around the period that that regulation was passed, they automatically collapsed, yeah, because they couldn't... Um, they didn't have the, the government backing and everything. So it was until recently. It came as a surprise to us, the citizens, to when they announced that now, I mean, it's all good. Everybody can trade. You can have your Web3 startup. You can have your Web3 project. And imagine the imagine the amount of money that, that they've lost with that regulation, with that law that they, they passed during that period. And so many projects that so many people had to just keep their idea eating or leave the country and go start a project in countries that um, approve approve um, Web3 blockchain and, and things like that. I mean, so this, this um, government policies, it has a huge impact and it's like some sort of for better for us, like some sort of marriage vows or local Web3 project, basically. And the regulations are still, they're still taking shape across a lot of the continent. I just gave an example of what's happening in Nigeria right now. And then, so, um, like the um so during the period that we're having like some sort of uncertainty with the um regulations and laws and whatnot it led to banks blocking crypto related transactions like i said before and it it affected the the adoption rate because for most young people they're like what's what's the need what's the essence and most people have to start going through having to set up like a usd account to be able to get their funds and things like that so i think where the government is lacking it's that they don't have enough education on how this thing works so there's still a lot of education needed to help policymakers, especially to understand that having overly restrictive regulations it can stifle innovation right and so but when your regulation is thoughtful it is needed to protect consumers from risky schemes so they need to have that balance. They need to understand that, okay, yeah, this thing can be, it has some pros and cons. So it's necessary for them to have some sort of balance, right? And they also have to include um, African Web3 builders in the policy process. Government can just say, okay, this thing hurts and then we're going to ban it. They need to talk to people who are actively doing things in this space. Okay, how does this thing work? What regulation is going to make things easier for people? What is it going, how, how are we going to make things easier for people creating their projects in this space? And they need to understand the landscape, they need to understand the use cases. 
it's not just um, they shouldn't be overly focused on um or, um, on the cons and how it's going to hurt people or how people are going to start um, rug pulling people and things like that. So the best, the best, I believe, I believe that the best regulations will enable local projects to flourish and not shut them down. And so, but the bright side out of all this is that some nations now they are pioneering smart policies like crypto tax incentives and sand, um, sandbox frameworks to actually spur growth. So countries are moving quick, really quick to finalize regulations that will attract. Uh, more, more web three business down the line, so I believe that the government support right could really accelerate web three innovation across Africa and unlock so much potential. But these restrictive policies would be a big setback for most projects because, for someone like me, I'll be like, "What's the need? Why do I even need to stress myself? I can just save my money and use it to go on vacations or something instead of creating a web three project or a web three startup." So I would say it's important that we see more more forward thinking laws in March. To power african projects right so the web3 community just needs to keep advising governments on how to get these regulations right or else the world is going to leave us behind and that's the truth no definitely well and so do you know of any i guess particular person or company or anything that's trying to spearhead maybe getting these regulations in place like i'm i'm curious like you mentioned about uh crypto tax incentives is that for if somebody you know has a lot of crypto and invested in a country there's some sort of tax incentive or is it something with a company like or if you know about it could discuss it well i don't really know um any web3 project like any web3 focused company right now in nigeria i mean there used to be it's called um laser pay but they crashed because of the government policies and for lack of funding things like that but i think maybe with the recent um restriction that was lifted we probably see more uh, more web3 projects now coming up in the country and yeah the problem of the adoptions is also a problem coupled with the regulation the regulatory issues and things like that okay no that that's that's fair i mean it's again i for years people have been whining it here in the u.s and it feels like we just got the very first piece of the puzzle towards some sort of actual legal um you know adoption and we're still on on paper we're still far from it so um, it's going to be interesting to see how it develops for us versus other countries as well, because obviously you have multiple countries that have just outright banned it. They're like, they want nothing to do with it. Um, luckily most of Africa is not that, but, um, obviously, uh, some of the, some of the middle Eastern countries and China is up there, even though they still have miners. So people are still mining it and using it, um, which is funny. So it just has gone underground really. Yeah, that's right. Well, and so there's obviously every country in the world has its own unique cultural influences. That's, that's what makes them their own country. Are there any unique cultural influences in Nigeria or maybe any other projects in Africa, you know, the large that uh, have really influenced the development and adoption of Web3 technologies? Like if uh, I don't know if there's been a specific scenario needed or if people have done it like an NFT art project related to their cultural um heritage or uh things of that nature um i i don't have any specific examples i can give <laughs> on our end in the us I'm, I'm sure there are some but uh, it was a question i thought of that came to mind because i feel like um you know africa as a whole has such rich heritage and every country has their own really deep and even within the country you know you have sparsings of just so many unique cultural heritage i wasn't sure if there was any you were aware of or knew of well, just like you said, culture culture is huge in this part of the world, right? Down to everything we do. It all boils down to um, our cultural beliefs. So it has obviously shaped our way three things within Africa. So our local norms, values, creative tradition, these things, as whether we like it or not, it has influenced both the development and um, adoption of our of blockchain innovations really fascinating ways. I mean... Look at how NFT art is evolving with um, like distinctly African style. So I'll give you an example of an NFT project I worked I worked on um, six two years ago. So, so it's called um, Yoruba Demons. I'll give you the backstory of what Yoruba Demons are. So um, I'm from a tribe in Nigeria called Yoruba, and so it is um, common knowledge that uh, <laughs> men from my tribe they are heartbreakers, and so because they are heartbreakers decided calling them Yoruba demons, of course. 
and so um it's something that is unique to my tribe here and Yoruba tribe in Nigeria. And so this NFT project decided that okay, they wanted to create an NFT that's called Yoruba Demons. I mean, of course, when we were brainstorming on it and everything, we're like, okay, this is actually going to reflect a certain part of our culture. And then the NFT was um the NFT art samples that we that we um, released first at um the demons in like their full attire which is like the full Yoruba attire for men. And so, I mean, it, it caught people's attention. Now we're like, okay, why would you even name your NFT as Yoruba demons? I mean, thinking about it, it's actually funny, because I don't know what we're thinking about. But so that's an example of how culture reflects in things we do and how, how we do it, especially. So you have um, you have um, emerging, uh, emerging um, arts that match up traditional motifs with sci-fi concepts. So it just shows the richness of African culture that it's making its mark on digital arts, basically. And then it also, our cultural attitudes also um, create adoption challenges. And so there's this hesitation around decentralization and be your own bank mentalities. Because some people still prefer to walk to the bank and drop their money there. And they'll tell you they don't understand how this works. It's because of the culture that has been instilled in them that you trust the bank with your money. And I mean, before we got to the stage where people started putting their money in banks, we had where people were keeping their money, um, they all right in their room and they hide their money there. So it took a lot of um, <laughs> it took a lot of education for them to, for, for for people to start accepting the fact that keeping their money in banks is more safer. Yeah, it's more safer, right? And it's more secure for them. And so it's also the same with M Web three and crypto. We have people who will tell you that they can't see it. I can't see crypto. I can't see crypto. I mean, I told my mom one time, bring your money, let me help you keep it in crypto. And she was telling me that she hasn't, she, why, why would she keep her money um, in a place that she doesn't even understand how crypto was? Can I? Can she feel it? Can she touch it? Can she see it? She doesn't understand how it works, basically. So it also applies to so many other people. So even people in my age bracket, they'll tell you that, no, it doesn't work like that. So it still all boils down to our cultures, our norms, and how we understand this thing. So educating people that, Blockchain can actually work in harmony with existing structures is, is very, very important. So, and we also can't ignore um, diversity within African cultures. So it is important that solutions that we create, it has to resonate. It has to resonate across um, across the continent as a whole because solutions that resonate in Nigeria, for example, in my face um, re um, resistance in Ghana, for example. So localization is key and global web3 models would automatically work it won't so it is important that whoever is creating anything whoever is working on anything they need that african perspective and they need, they need it to be part of an important part of whatever it is that they are building or they are creating right so i think when we um when we immerse ourselves in our culture our communities and we create innovation rooted in cultural empathy and co-creation is basically the path forward and that is how we ship a web3 that africans are proud of and then we can my mother can finally trust me to help her keep her money in crypto <laughs> hopefully <laughs> <laughs> well no i think that is a, a thing for a lot of people um i mean i even think back to I've known about Bitcoin since 2010, 2011. And the same thing as I was just like, it's backed by nothing. Like, what do you do with it? Like, what's the point of it? And like, didn't understand it fundamentally then. And there was nobody to really explain what it was supposed to be or what people hoped for it to be. And um, I, I think there's a lot of projects now that they've understood that uh, utility is a big thing, but also just being able to properly convey it to their users, what they're trying, their end goal is trying to be. And simply straight up being like it's it's trying to be a money maker they're like it's not trying to be a money maker it's trying to be an out for people who uh desperately need it who don't have options um i also wanted to ask is that did that nft collection is that still out and about or is it um did y'all scrap it and it's it's no longer a thing <laughs> it went down with the hype it went down because <laughs> I, I was definitely gonna say i wanted to look at them and check it out um because that just sounds really cool from a cultural perspective but well, maybe the next one, right? Yeah, <laughs> the next one, hopefully. Um, we kind of discussed already some economic impacts that Web3 has had on a lot of local communities and economies. Um, simply put, one thing we discussed is obviously th there's a, it lowers the bar of if you want to be an entrepreneur. Um, you need a lot less going on um, and, a, and a lot 
more just skills, but you can develop these skills thanks to the internet from other people. Um, I know we create a lot of jobs if you have successful businesses and companies take off, like um, you know, Yellow Card and Crypto TV Plus, as well as uh, Quedax. So that that's another thing that's great, I think, for a lot of local communities and economies. Also, like you said, if it helps people, uh, you know, store their money in a safe place and hedge a bet against either devaluation or inflation, um, that's also a great thing. Are there any other things that you think it has or does economically for the communities of Nigeria and Africa as a whole that we haven't discussed? Uh, well, right now, right now we are just getting stuff up, right? But I'm going to talk about the potential that it has on our economy right now. Uh, so, I mean, it has, blockchain actually has the huge potential to make a positive um, economic impact across Africa if implemented thoughtfully. The key word here is implement, being implemented thoughtfully, right? And so the key is like building solutions that empower everyday people and not just big institutions. If you come down to the average person level, it is going to have a huge impact on the economy because it's the average people like me and the people out there that are actually going to be huge beneficiaries of um, of um, Web3 if it um, positively impacts the economy, right? Because that's the mistake most people make. They tend to look at big institutions as a cash cow and then they, they keep forgetting that the, the average person out there is actually the person that, um, how would I put it, is the person that's actually going to invest more in the project if implemented thoughtfully i'm going to repeat that again and so currently now we can see how um, crypto is expanding access to um, global capital pools for small businesses in africa so usually before projects used to have um issue with raising funds or um, having access to global funding and so now it is now it's never been easier for let's say a startup in kenya or for like a, or for like an entrepreneur in kenya right now to raise funds from investors, crypto investors in North America or Asia. Web3 has actually breached that gap. Well, I'm not, I'm not saying it has breached the gap entirely, but actually uh, made things some, sort of easier than how it was a couple of years ago. And so that money, that money can go a long way in stimulating major local growth, right? And so because that money comes into Kenya, for example, the Kenya person builds businesses, in terms he employs people, employs people who in turn have to take care of their families and that way money spreads into the economy and that is one of the growth factors and so i also feel like um economy wise nfts can also be like some sort of enabler for african artists musicians and creators creatives to tap into new revenue streams and then global audiences because um, as a young creative you can find meaningful incomes in your own community rather than needing to migrate abroad because the whole idea that I have to leave my country to be able to be successful, um, I believe Web3 is going to change all that because you can be in your country, go your own community, have people pay you in um, tokens, NFT, crypto, whichever way you want to receive your payment. But the bottom line is that um, economic gains, like I mentioned before, can't just be concentrated among the elites and urban hubs for Web3 to really transform African economies, right? We need to keep the decentralization and financial inclusion at the core. So if my if our local farmers, vendors, creators, and more can directly have access and they can directly leverage these tools to uplift their lives, then the rising tide will lift all shapes. I, I think so. I think it's going to lift all shapes. And then community-led development is actually important because this is something I always tell people that at the, at the heart of Web3, at the core of Web3 lies community. Community is very, very super, super, super important. I was about to say super, super, <laughs> super important in, in Web3, right? So I'm, I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful. But we need long-term vision. We really need long-term vision. So uh, band aid crypto projects barely last for crypto project that barely last for a year is not going to cut it. That is not what we need. We need to put our tools, our powers directly into the hands of local Africans, people who understand how the, how the economy works, people who understand that we need that capital, we need um, that investment to be able to grow our economy. So that is how I believe that the technology is going to realize its potential in growing um, our economy as a whole. Yeah, and, and so that begs the question of clearly you know, all you have to do is look around in, in the space and see that not only is Africa as a whole, but many countries in Africa are more than capable of 
making and creating amazing Web3 projects and, and having a platform and really bolstering the platform with a unique perspective and cultural heritage that other, uh, you know, countries cannot even begin to offer. Why do you think Africa is so often overlooked in the global discussions about Web3? Uh, do you think there's anything we could do to change this other than kind of what y'all are already doing, which is um, keep on keeping on? I mean, I feel like in Africa, you have so many bolstered projects that other countries within there know about. But, you know, for people outside of it, it's hard to discover. I feel like the two top countries, it's easy to discover things where I should say three or three areas. It seems to be the U.S., the uh, the Middle East, and then uh, Southeast Asia seem to have a lot of play in the Web3 market as a whole for various reasons. But uh, people always leave Africa out, even though you all have so many amazing projects going on. So again, to reiterate the question, why do you think it's overlooked in global discussions? And what do you think could be done to change this? It's a very good question, a very good question. I'm going to start by saying that I think Africa still has that, has that stigma, right? So for some people, Africa is an afterthought. They, they just assume we are lagging behind on tech innovations. But I'm yet to tell you guys today that that perception is still, it's old, right? But the reality is that there are smart Africans actually driving Web3 progress. And I, I give some examples earlier, right? But the problem we have is that the mainstream tech, the mainstream tech world and media, they're still dominated by Western voices, right? We don't have a voice yet. We're, uh, we don't have a voice yet. And our African Web3 pioneers, they don't even get enough spotlight on the global stage. That is where the problem lies. And so what needs to happen to, uh, what needs to happen to Africa is that, is we telling our own Web3 stories. We need, um, conferences worldwide we even need to start our own conferences and tell our stories as of course if we don't tell our stories nobody's going to tell it for us so we need conferences worldwide to make to also make an effort to highlight african speakers and projects because crypto thought leader are always just talking about what's happening in silicon valley or asia like you mentioned they have to look at nairobi in kenya they have to look at lagos nigeria cape town um, all these major major tech ops that are really doing cool things. And so the global web three community also needs to do their part to elevate African voices. No, they don't. They don't have to speak on our behalf. They can give us the platform for us to talk. They don't have to talk on our behalf or say, yeah, they understand how it works. They don't live here. They don't have access to the locals like um, these African like um, Africans um, builders, African. Um, founders, African creatives, the way they do. So they need to elevate, give us a platform, and not speak on our behalf because they don't even understand it. So if they want the full picture of um, where this technology is going, African, Africa, Africans, we need to have a seat at the table. We really need to have a seat at the table because there's just so much knowledge and creativity that is coming from um, African, uh, that's coming from African creators, developers, tech people, like that. And so... Um, so there's just so much coming from these people that can actually benefit Web3, Web3 worldwide. So we have to create more bridges to bridge this gap. But I believe that um, with the right awareness and inclusion, our overlooked contributions, right, can um, can start getting recognized, hopefully. And the innovations are happening. We just need the world to pay attention to us because I am going to say this because it is what I believe that Africa is going to shape the future of Web3 in a big way. And I mean in a really, really big way. And I mean it. And I stand by it. <laughs> no, I can get behind that too. I think there's a lot of um, issues that just specifically people in Africa face that people in other countries either have a don't don't worry about or don't think about. Maybe through because there's an ease of infrastructure. Maybe there's an ease of uh, a use case that it's, it's already been met through something else. But um, I think there's going to be a lot of really interesting things coming out in the next five to 10 years. And I'm curious, like, what is your outlook on the future of Web3 in Africa over the next five, 10 years? And, and like, is it just possibilities are endless or do you think there's going to be some, some specific uh, factors that really play in? Well, first thing first, I believe that if the obstacles that we're facing right now, we can overcome those obstacles. I would say the future looks uh, incredibly bright for Web3 in Africa over the next decade, yeah. And so um, I'll give you a couple of reasons why I think so. So for starters, with 70% um, of Africans, we are like um, under age 35. And so we have loads of young generation. And this young generation are going to be pouring talent into blockchain in the coming years, right? And so we'll see more innovations like the ones I mentioned. 
like those I mentioned, who recognized the potential early on. And then, so as internet access also spreads across the continent, more people will be able to plug into Web3 networks and adding improving mobile money infrastructure and um, crypto adoption could really take off because most people just want to send money without hassle. Most people just want to have access to their money without stressing themselves or having to go queue at the bank. So if that could take off, then I'm sure that um, crypto adoption is really, really, really going to take off, going to be faster than the flash. And so... Um, also, the government also need to do their best. They need to eventually get their policy act together and provide regulatory clarity and not uh, restrict today, um, lift restriction tomorrow, restrict the next day and lift restrictions. So they need to be clear on what they are doing. So because this will give um, entrepreneurs, builders, the green light that, okay, this is what we need to push forward. They will understand what exactly it is they need to do. And I currently, I believe investment in African web startups is already rising. And so as the space, as the space matures, uh, there will be billions more in VC funding. I, I, I believe that is going to happen in the, in the next decade. So there are going to be, uh, there's going to be more money in VC funding to scale promising companies across Africa. And as this awareness spreads, as this awareness spreads, organizations across um, finance, healthcare, agriculture, gaming, and more, they will um, tend to embrace blockchain um, solutions that are still for local needs. And so I, I believe Web3 is bound to make um, major social impact. So for all these reasons I just mentioned, I truly believe um, Africa is poised to be a global Web3 leader within the next decade. Of course, there will be challenges along the way. Yes, I'm not really that out. But no doubt, the momentum is already building. And um, I believe Africa's time is now. Yes, so... That's my outlook on the future of Portugal in Africa by the next decade. No, that's an awesome outlook. So then to that credit, is that something that you think needs to just be purely, you know, led by by people in Africa, for people in Africa? Or is that something where you want international Web3 communities from all over the world to come in and support and collaborate with those initiatives do you think that's part of what's going to catalyze it going into the future is more and more people are going to want to invest collaborate work with these african web3 country our companies oh yes i mean now we we need um, that collaboration we need it so much and so they can um, like i said before give us a space at the table um shine the spotlight on um, some of our african creators invest in our promising web3 startups spend time learning spend time learning from um, african communities and then learning about what works here and what doesn't work and then so they shouldn't just assume that they have all the answers without actually doing the um without actually um doing the the hard no i don't want to say the hard work i'm trying to find the right word to use without actually understanding how it works so they shouldn't assume they have all the answers right and then, so, um, also one thing I would actually also like to mention is that they should please open up their remote job opportunities to Africans. We have the talent here. They, they, we, you see, we see a job opening, for example, and they tell you that, okay, it's for um, Africans are eligible to apply. But then you know that the A is actually silent because they are not actually taking anybody from Africa. So, you know, the A in EMEA, the episode is like, um, it's actually um silent, so they're not taking anybody from Africa. So please, we are pleading, open up your remote web three jobs to African talent. Give a, give opportunities to young Africans that are actually looking to break into blockchain careers. They can't have this experience if you don't open up these opportunities because international community they've gone um they've gone um what we say um they they actually um in the future but not like the future future but they've actually done things that were just getting started here and so that the way for people to get experience is if they open up their doors and let our young talent get his um, experience get opportunity so that they're able to come back here and also replicate the same thing and also um also create opportunities for people also and um i mean uh, also advocate for um, better connectivity infrastructure investment across Africa. There are still doubts on investing in Africa. There are still so many. Um, there are still so many people unsure if um, Africa is a great place to invest. And so, I mean, um, they should. Um, international community should please. I'm going to say it in my um, in my local English. I was saying in Nigeria. I beg. 
help us invest in our projects there are so many there are so many promising projects here in africa because this is going to unlock more web3 access for them for africans here and then so um the locals should also push governments and with the um, help of the international um community to push our government for clear regulatory frameworks because policy impacts what we can build and then I believe really just comes out to uplifting African innovation on its own terms, not as an afterthought or having gone through anything and you're like, oh yeah, there's this continent that's somewhere, 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 somewhere. Like, no, we don't want to be afterthoughts anymore. The global community has a lot to gain from African perspectives, but they actually need to put in the effort to listen to us. It's one thing to believe you know our story, but when you truly really listen and then you're just not listening, you're engaging us as partners. There's a lot to gain from us, like a, a whole lot to gain from our perspectives. No, that, that that's great to hear, and that's that's a wonderful um, thank you for all that. First off, um, I I love hearing it, um, and and I agree with Olabisi. Please start finding more African Web three <laughs> projects to invest in. Um, I will say when I was like I when I was buying NFTs and it was simply just me being like, I, I will say this, I, before NFTs took off in their unique aspect in gaming, the only reason I was buying NFTs is I wasn't trying to make money. I just thought it was cool being able to support artists and the money went directly to them. And it was a uh, free, free market in that sense. So there was, um, there was a few, um, African artists who made some really, really cool art that I was uh, able to get. I don't know if any of it was, based on um anything culturally if it was just supposed to be um you know art inspired by you know whatever they were doing but um i i thought it was really cool and a lot of it was it was no different to me than if i saw a painting and i wanted to buy it from the student or artist i it felt the same way and it was um obviously at all very affordable prices so i really liked doing that um and then i actually a while ago when i was first starting this podcast i had a woman reach out to me where she would um she would connect. I it was either up and coming students or it was recent college graduates in all, all over Africa, and they would have a skill set like you know they could do marketing, like um, social media management, um, you know certain coding. And she reached out and was like, "Do you have any need?" And um, of course, like you're hiring by the hour, and it's a very very affordable rate. Um, and I, I hired one of them for a while, and, and excellent work. I had no complaints with him. He was a great worker. Um, the only problem ended up being is I didn't have enough work for him to do. So I was like, sorry, I only have like five hours of work for you to do a week. Like, I know you need like a full time gig. Um, and so I told him, I was like, I'm happy to keep doing this till you find something better. And eventually he found something better. And I was like, yeah, no harm, no foul. I'll be a, a reference. I'll help you uh, however I can in that. But um, no complaints. He was an excellent student. He did a lot of great, um, a lot of great marketing for me, did a lot of great content creation and um, helped me organize a lot of things. So uh, I really appreciated that work. And and for me, I was he pivoted to another Web3 company. So I was like, well, this is good. So he's staying in that realm. Um, so I like to think that hopefully that was a good start for him to get into Web3. But I, you know, I haven't kept in contact with him, so I don't know if he's still there. But um, I guess the last thing I, I would ask is, you know, what advice would you give to young Africans aspiring to enter into the Web3 space? Well, you see, the thing is, most people tend to overthink this thing. They tend to overthink, you know, okay, what exactly do I need to know? What exactly do I need to do? Do I have to um, spend a year learning how Web3 works? What I usually tell people is, don't overthink it. Just dive in. I mean, by the time you start overthinking it, time time goes, and then you realize, you realize that everybody has left you behind. So don't overthink it. Just dive in. You learn along the way. Um join discord servers twitter is a good place to start follow um african crypto pioneers play around with some web3 apps so start by immersing yourself in some cultures uh immerse yourself in the culture i mean i'm talking about culture only so immerse yourself in the culture don't overthink it and then just, just dive in right and then so um find a lane that excites you when i wanted to start i discovered so many things like i mentioned before when i was introducing myself I had the option of being a blockchain developer or um, Solidity, all just their technical and programming languages. But I knew um, that wasn't me. And so um, by learning, by reading, by going on Twitter, spent time a lot on Twitter, I found, I found my own path, which was uh, marketing. 
and so i always tell people that there's there's no how you um, there's not you want to go about it you always find a link that excites you it could be DeFi, it could be nft art it could be crypto education it could be metaverse gaming whatever just build up your skills and network in that niche and the thing with web3 is that um um by the time you have like um, a huge network you don't even have to have a huge network before you get your first opportunity in the space just by showing up every day people get to see you they get to recognize you and so just find something that excites you and then make sure make sure you are good at it make sure you are try to be the best at it right and then um, also partner up you can't be you can't be a lone wolf in web3 now nah, you're going to get tired you're going to get exhausted and you get frustrated always partner up with people always collaborate with other passionate people um look out for um projects that are organizing hackathons or a startup that um a startup that um with complementary skills like maybe a startup that's looking for someone with your skills reach out to them most uh, most web3 founders i believe they have like um this open door policy you can reach out to anybody tell them what you have to offer and things like that you might not expect you might not get that big salary at first of course you might not get that big salary at first but then by the time you start working your way up the ladder and we start earning something we call Amroba salary here in Nigeria. These people were actually earning a lot of money. <laughs> so you have to work your way up the ladder. And so always uh, also um one thing I also like to say is that experiment relentlessly. Don't don't fear failure. I think that is one of the things that is holding people back. They don't want to fail. They they believe the space is moving fast. And yes, the web three space is moving fast. We can we're having this conversation today. We'll go to bed, wake up tomorrow, something has changed in the space. And so don't don't be scared of failure. I mean, the space is moving fast, like I said. So just keep testing ideas and see what gains um, traction. And always educate yourself. Always educate yourself on the tech, the ethics, the risk and regulation. So you just don't go start something and then you just wake up one day as Nigerian government has said, Oh, yeah, sorry, we're too excited when we said lifted the restrictions and um, on crypto trading we changed our mind it is back so always educate yourself always learn all these things understand how it works and if you are in web3 you have to be patient you have to be super patient you have to be patient be patient and keep grinding because success in this space doesn't happen overnight but if you stick with it i can guarantee that you absolutely make your mark on this space the opportunities are endless for those with um, courage creativity and grit so what i would say is jump in i mean the water is fine of course but believe in yourself and your vision right and, and you got this yeah you got this yeah i i couldn't agree more um beautifully said the only thing i would add to it from my personal perspective that i think helped me is um if you can find a mentor it, it really helps even if it's just a specific skill like um, marketing coding um social media management i was amazed how many people that if i just shot an email at him and was like hey i know nothing i'm not asking for your i'm all i'm asking for is your time i'm not gonna pay you i'm not asking you to pay can you just teach me about this topic or can you share your insight people were more than happy to do it um especially in web3 the only times people say they aren't is they're like hey i would love to i just simply i'm in too i have too much going on i don't have time to even spare um and those are the only people i've ever had where they're like but they're they always would lead me to someone else who'd say but go check this out because this is where i learned a lot of it so it was always people were willing to offer a helping hand where we're asked and I, I try to do the same if anybody asks me they're like i'm trying to get into this i don't know how to do it i'm like well, my experience may be unique compared to other people, but this is what I did. Hopefully that helps you. Um, so I think finding a mentor can really help. Um, you don't need one, but I think can be very beneficial because sometimes the mentor will make you ask questions to yourself that you would not think to ask. And I agree with you about just jump in and start. Don't, uh, don't wait around because one of the main things I did is I, if I had sat here, I made a hard date that I was like, I'm going to start this podcast by this date. And if I didn't do that, who knows if I would have ever started it. And I, because I was like, I need to be ready before I started. And I was not ready when I started it. But I've learned so much over time. I've developed so many things. And it's been so good that I just started because part of the process of learning is just simply doing. And I think you can agree with that. I mean, as podcast hosts, we do a lot of talking. We do a lot of interviewing. We do a lot of researching. Um, a lot of it is us foraying into topics we know absolutely nothing of. And our um, our guest is going to be our first foray into it other than what we read or research beforehand yeah i agree with you too well is 
that that's all I've got. Like all my questions, and I I thank you for your time. Is there anything we missed that you really wanted to talk about, or anything you wanted to say that I just didn't ask you? Uh, nothing really. You asked the important questions, and I was glad I was I was able to answer all of them. I'm glad they were not <laughs> putting you on the spot in a hard way. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> They were really good questions. They're really good questions. I mean, no one has actually asked me um, this questions before from an African perspective. There's always been different topics, but so I'm actually glad that um, I could shine the spotlight on what happens in Africa. Actually, talk about what's going on in my in my continent. Yes. Yeah, I mean, again, I credit LinkedIn to being able to connect. Um, I have no, I have no idea how I would have discovered you or your podcast otherwise. So I always really appreciate that I can just shoot somebody a message on there and uh, connect like this. So once again, th- one thanks for accepting my connection request. Two thanks for being on the podcast. Three thanks for giving me your time. Um, four really looking to forward to everything you do um, in your Web three career and with the podcast. And uh, that's all I got. <laughs> That's great. Thanks for having me. It was a pleasure. And I had so much fun. I had so much fun today. Wonderful. Well, I will have everything, all the um all the Web3 African companies we discussed, I'm gonna have in the show notes. I'm gonna have everything so you can all check out Olabisi on all her relevant socials and her podcasts in those show notes. Uh, make sure you again, as we've discussed, not only support her, but let's let's have more support outside of maybe your country of interest or where you know about things are going on. Don't forget to uh Keep researching, developing, and pushing forward to be a better person every day. Me and Ola BC are big fans of it and will support you all the way. That's right. Well, friends, that's another episode down. If you enjoyed this podcast, we would really appreciate you rating it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, wherever you can rate and wherever you listen to and get your podcast. It would mean the world to us and help get this podcast to people who truly are involved in the Web3 gaming blockchain and cryptocurrency and want to learn more and stay on top of these emerging technologies if you have any queries want to reach out about any collaborations or advertisements as well as want to reach out with any improvements you think we could make on the podcast please email us at the web3 gamer at proton.me we would love to hear from you and take every response very seriously take care and keep gaming my friends